Chapter 2 Dandelions versus Flowers Every human being is a rare, delicate, and immeasurably valuable creature, and should always be treated with agape love. Author Unknown All because of love? I've been in love. I've had an intense desire for love. I've reigned in the midst of love, and even questioned if I've ever loved. I've often felt underloved, and at times abundantly lavished by love. I've been tortured by love, and sought to unravel the mystique of love. I've wept in the battle of love, and even though courageous enough to die for love, I've stretched forth in hopes of capturing the treasure of love. The Love Mirage Let me share a true story of an old friend. I'll say her name was Bianca. She was excited about the possibility of love and had taken what she believed were the proper steps to qualify for the highest quality of love she had imagined. Her ideal partner would be independent, confident, professional, handsome, and compassionate. We talked about this often. Bianca was gorgeous. She always lit up a room. Her eyes were intoxicating and her smile was infectious. She loved fitness and was a religious member of her health club. In addition, she served as a volunteer for a local children's charity. She had a large collection of romance movies and from time to time she would invite me and some other girlfriends over to watch a good rom-com. One day, while volunteering at the children's charity, she met Dan, who she later married. But the day she met Dan, he was picking up his daughter, and long before they had ever officially become acquainted, Bianca had admired Dan from afar because of the way he handled his daughter. She had discovered that he was a single parent, and she was highly impressed by that. She considered it rare that a man would single-parent his child. In their early stages of dating, Dan mentioned several times to Bianca that he did not see more children in his future and that he was content with the one daughter he had. Bianca, on the other hand, had dreams about becoming married and the pitter-patter of little feet, running around the house, and all the other good stuff that went along with her ideals. The early days of their marriage were magic, just like Bianca had imagined. In fact, her life was seemingly close to her ideals. However, a couple of years into the marriage, Bianca discovered she was pregnant. And in her excitement one morning over breakfast, she shared what she thought would be good news with Dan. After all, she held in her heart memories of his awesome parenting skills, recalling that was one of the first things she admired about him. She knew he'd be a great dad, and she'd always wanted children of her own. Bianca grabbed Dan's hand, leaned in closely toward him, and with a great big giddy smile said, Honey, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant, and we're going to have our first child. Dan's posture became stoic, and his silence was awkward. Breaking the silence... Bianca nervously asked, are you okay? I mean, your silence seems rather strange. I would think this would be a joyous occasion for you, 
I mean, for us. After all, I just know you're going to be a great dad. Dan's silence morphed into tension, and then he began to speak. What made you think this would be a joyous occasion for me? I'm confused, Dan said. Honey, I thought I made it clear that I did not want any more children, and I thought we had a mutual understanding about that. Dismissing Dan's feelings, Bianca attempted to break the awkwardness with a soft smile and said, Oh, well, yeah, but you're my husband now, and baby, we're pregnant, and we're just going to have to make it work. That day was the beginning of a very different marriage for Bianca. Dan grew more distant and disgusted and found other activities to occupy himself away from their home. And sadly, when their beautiful daughter, Daniela, was born, Dan held on as long as he could, but eventually faded out of the marriage and left his family. Unfortunately, he was adamant that another child was not the journey that he had envisioned for his future, and nothing was going to change that. What happened, and what was wrong with Bianca's ideal of having children? After all, we are told that all you have to do is fall in love, and the rest pretty much irons itself out, right? Has she missed her opportunity for unfailing love because of her focus on her own ideals? I'm not saying what Bianca wanted was wrong. However, I've often wondered whether she ever considered Dan's true ideals and what Dan had envisioned for himself, for them, and whether or not his outlook was in alignment with her own. The reality is this. In our culture, we are given so many paradoxical theories regarding what we should expect of love, and often, in the end, our theories don't seem to render the success we so expected. Although Bianca married what she felt was her ideal man, oftentimes we're more interested in living out our own personal ideas of what we consider a commitment to look like, while making the true principles of what love really looks like secondary. What is the order of love? And is it possible to distinguish the difference between idealistic and genuine love? Love is life, and if you miss love, you miss life. Leo Buscaglia At some point in life, perhaps you've experienced incredible love. Some say it's better to have love than to not have loved at all. But most agree that love is a treasure, and it is certainly something worth wanting. In fact, no matter what side of the tracks you come from, it's true. Pure love is the most sought-after experience on earth. Everybody wants real love. Our divine calling is to love and be loved. Yet so many people are trying to make sense of what love really means. So how is your love life? And how have we come to a place in our culture where we desire love, but we are not on the same page about the love we so desire, nor do we fully understand how to liberally extend love to others? A common theory in our society is that love is self-centric, 
based on our own preferences. And therefore, if our partner is unwilling or unable to meet our custom expectations of love, then they are of no service to the relationship. Our culture teaches us that the priority of love is to look out for what we are looking for. In other words, the number one factor is what can you do for me or what can you bring to the table? However, in an authentic relationship, there is no me factor. Real love involves the we factor or together, what do we bring to the table? Love is a condition in which the happiness of another person is essential to your own. Robert A. Heinlein. A couple of years ago, I put out a quick survey asking people what they thought love was, and I got some quite interesting responses. Among them were, love is indescribable. It is whatever you want it to be. It's just a deep connection or a proud feeling towards someone. One person even said that love was about the ability to endure a broken heart. Pondering on these answers, the thing that came to my mind was this. Foundationally, as long as we continue to have autonomous views on how we define love, rather than standing firmly on the universal code of love, then offense, rejection, abandonment, and division leading to separation and divorce will continue to break records in our society. C.S. Lewis once said something interesting. He said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. For if you love anything, you are subject to your heart being wrung and possibly broken. But if you want to make sure of keeping it intact, then give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Instead, wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all possible entanglements. Lock it up safe away in a, the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, your heart will change. It will never be broken because it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. That's sad but true. So many have adapted to the theory of C.S. Lewis's quote toward love in real life and have settled for living a life by the law of averages. Many live empty lives as a result because as the luster of average inevitably dulls, so does the heart that bets on average. It's a common theory that to lower one's expectations is a safety net that guards against disappointments. However, the thing we must remember is that just like there is a law of averages, there is also a law of sowing and reaping. And when you sow no value towards love, then you will always reap no value from love in the same respect. In order to experience better than average, we have to be willing to brave out the risks of vulnerability of love, which means positioning yourself first as a giver of love, knowing there are no guarantees 
that you'll receive it back from the people that you give it to. However, by the same token, because you have sold love, it will always come back to you. That's a universal law. When you sow love, you will reap love. It is as simple as that. However, the thought of giving before receiving can leave some of the most courageous people fearful because we've been conditioned to believe that the opposite of this God-appointed law is true. We're prone to believe love is contingent upon what someone else has to give to us first. What is it in our nature that causes us to be so fearful of freely offering love? To one another. God has given us instructions in his word regarding the character of love, and I'll share more on this further into the chapter. But no matter whom we have loved in the past and whether or not they reciprocated, we've still learned from it. It's all a part of our journey. And when you understand that the focus of love is giving, then you realize that giving can never be done in vain because love always rewards the giver of it. When you operate according to the character of genuine love, it will cast away fear and anxiety. When I finally got this, I let go of my old environmentally molding beliefs burst from fear, hurt and blurred perspectives that had me confined all those years. I eventually discovered love was the most valuable and free gift to give, and it was right under my nose all along. It reminds me of the Acres of Diamonds story. It's a true story where an African farmer had not fully investigated his own property, but instead sold it in search of new land with the possibility of diamonds on it. He later found out the land he sold had the biggest diamond mine ever discovered. And had he explored his own land before selling it, he would have realized its value. The farm he sold in search of a diamond mine over time has turned out to be one of the most productive diamond mines in the entire African continent. Love, when it is freely given, is liberating and even has the power to transform. Pure love can even convert a soul. The opposite of love is fear, and fear gets its momentum from holding on to negatively and unfavorable past experiences. We've all encountered hurt or rejection in the past, and if we are honest, as a result, we may have even questioned our worthiness to be loved. Childhood memories and former relationships cause reluctance of the possibility of a thriving and loving relationship for many. Let me ask you a question. At this very moment, do you feel that you are worthy of the very best that love has to offer? Or do you feel you need to hold off on love because you are still a work in progress? Or perhaps you feel you need to make more money, uh, maybe lose some weight or finish a project? Of course, there's nothing wrong with self-improvement or setting goals, personal goals. But the reality is 
that we all have everything that we need right now at this very moment to qualify for genuine love. And you need to at least know this. As I said earlier, our chief assignment is that we show love and we were made for love and to love is the royal law. James chapter 2, 8 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God and whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. First John chapter four. Dead leaves don't prosper. When a leaf falls from a tree, it can no longer be nourished. Once it is detached, all ability to flourish dies. That is because it is the roots of the tree that produce life. The leaves and branches when intact become the bearer or evidence of the life within the root. Likewise, how can we bear love or be the evidence of love if we are not connected to the producer of love? I know we live in a world of synthesized love, or should I say conditional love? But the truth is, we cannot produce authentic, unconditional love without Jesus Christ. We are simply not equipped to offer unconditional love on our own. It's just not in us because it is in God. Love is a fruit of the spirit. And we have to be connected to the source to thrive in the attributes of love. God says, I am the vine and ye are the branches. And when a leaf has fallen from the tree, it has become cut off from its source of life. So likewise, with us to grow in the fullness of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to abide in the vine. Jesus Christ, our Lord, God is love. And if you are connected to God, then God produces his love through you. Because apart from God, we can do nothing. By being rooted in Jesus Christ, we are bearers of love. He produces the fruits of the spirit, the character, the maturity, the wisdom. And through him, we bear these qualities. Jesus left two great commandments, and they are both based on relationships. To love God first, the source, then bear love towards your neighbor. Love gets its definition from all God is. God's character is the character of love. He is love perfected. We can only be perfected in God's love when we give ourselves permission in all our frailties to first be loved by a loving God. In all of our imperfections, his heart is always tender toward us. When we receive his love, it transforms us and positions us to share that same love with others. He produces love that we might bear the fruit of love. Without a relationship with God, we are blind to what love really stands for. For instance, 
When you are blind to the meaning of love, you are apt to say things like, I don't have love for you. God didn't say have love. He said, show love. This is how they will know that you are of me is that you show love. John chapter 13, 35. Authentic love is first realized when we recognize God in all of who he is and that he created us first for relationship with him and secondly for relationship with others. Love God with all your mind, soul and strength. And secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Cultivating a closer relationship with God reveals to us our immeasurable value. In fact, God thought we were so valuable that he gave his only begotten son to have a relationship with us. You can't give love when you don't love yourself and you'll never convince others that you are capable of loving when your own heart is destitute. Genuine love is realizing you are loved, receiving God's love and loving others. And when you learn to mature in love, it reflects God's glory in your life.